This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Saints for a touchdown! Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Watts from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome in football fans. Inside Black and Gold, Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we have been scorching in the New Orleans heat to cover this Black and Gold squad. And Jeff, thankfully the last couple days we got to go inside for a little bit of a reprieve. And got some news to get to. Obviously, we're going to get into some dark horses later on, too. I know we got some audio to mix in. But overall, football's been here, you know, is here now. And just a lot, obviously, in the black and gold universe going on at this moment. Yeah, there's a decent bit of news that's happened since uh, the the start of the week, since our last episode. So we'll get into that. We're also going to hear from Derek, Derek, Deuce McAllister. On Kendra Miller, we t- he talked a good bit about the rookie on Sports Talk yesterday. I thought he, what he had to say was really interesting. So we'll get into that. Also hear about Trevor Penning. I got the chance to talk to Derek Carr about him yesterday and how he's coming along. It's the first time they've gotten to work together. But first things first, I do want to get into the kind of bummer that came out yesterday, which is Andrew Dowell. He was making a tackle during team drills. He actually, I thought he had a really solid day. He's kind of stretching out run plays. It was a run-heavy day. And he kind of hobbled off the field. He wasn't putting any pressure on one of his legs. I can't recall which one, but he went down. He was getting looked at by trainers and it didn't seem like it was that significant. We saw him kind of moving around after that and looking like, you know, he was testing out that knee and didn't seem to have any issues. Dennis Allen after practice indicated that he didn't think it was a significant injury, but then Andrew Dowell was moved to injured reserve later in the day which when you get moved to the pre- to the injured reserve list in the preseason, you are not eligible to return. Like if you get moved in the regular season, you can come back after four weeks. That is not the case when you go on in the preseason. He could theoretically get cut and re-sign, not unlike what Kevin White did last year, but it's a sign that that injury is, is significant and he's going to be out for the year. And that is a bummer because I think anyone who's watched Andrew Dowell at practice or anyone who's watched him in a game or has listened to him talk, he's a guy who does everything the right way. He's a hard worker. He's always around the ball. He has good instincts. He's a very valuable special teams player. It's just a bummer for him. He was on a one-year deal. He re-signed this offseason. I think he was going to make this roster as a special teamer and maybe factor into the linebacker competition. So it's just, you know, it's going to open up opportunities for some other players. 
but it's just a bummer for for a guy who just does the work. Yeah, and like you said, not only for his special teams work, not, there's going to be a void there for this team to have to, you know, find another body. But, you know, with the limited, I guess, poss- uh, your, your options at linebacker, you figured that he was going to be in that rotation this year and was working towards that. Definitely if someone who puts in the work, always good to talk to. We had spoken with him. Uh, uh, one-on-one interview with the guys for sports talk so yeah you, you kind of get a a feel for these players and obviously it, it hurts to to lose a guy like that uh just because you know how much he was working towards uh put giving it all with this team another one uh that was we, we barely got to welcome back to new orleans was trey turner the other really body that we've lost so far this season i know andrews pete's got a, a quad strain luckily that's nothing major at this time it's just minor and we still at least see him uh, working off to the side but really a big bummer of camp for Dow. I, I expected a lot more from him going into the season with the with the extra opportunities that were expected yeah we don't know the exact extent of the injury yet right but anytime yeah. you you know you put on ir it's a significant thing kind of moving forward so the corresponding move that the saints made they claimed chuck filiaga a guard for the Packers, he's a UDFA. He was out of Minnesota. He was actually a teammate of Jordan Howden at Minnesota last season. You know, guard is a spot that, as you mentioned, you know, Trey Turner went down. Andres Pete went down. Calvin Throckmorton left early with an elbow injury. Right. I don't, uh, Dennis Allen said that wasn't significant either. <laughs> Take that for what it is. But, yeah, so that's a spot. There's going to be competition, and uh, you're just going to have to figure it out. I want to get more into the Andres Pete-James Hurst situation in the in the takes segment, but... That's something. Another off bit of offensive line news. The Saints cut Scott Lashley, who got hurt earlier in the week. I actually I'm disappointed in that because I actually thought Scott Lashley was playing pretty well, but clearly that injury did not help him. And they signed Tommy Kramer, a guy that they had been working out, former Lions offensive lineman. So you're just kind of shuffling guys in and out, seeing who sticks. The offensive line is concerning to me uh, as we get sure. going, especially after Wednesday's practice, because they did not look good. And granted, you didn't have Ryan Ramchek. You didn't have Andres Pete. You were kind of shuffling some bodies around. You're still trying to get Trevor Penning up to speed a little bit. He's getting more reps these days than he did to start practice. But they got they got beat up a little bit yesterday. And so that's going to be something that, you know, one way to really tank your season fast is for the offensive line to just not get it done. One thing, too, I think we've mentioned this maybe before, but shout out to Coach Dennis Allen for being really forthright with injuries, it's a lot different, right? You know, dealing with him than those Sean Payton years. Yeah, it, it, like I get, like I said, you said the Andrew Dowell injury wasn't significant. I'm not like, I, I think he genuinely believed that when he said oh, sure. it, right? Like he's he's not trying to throw us off the scent. He had no had no incentive to. He but he has relayed injury information pretty reliably. So yeah, and I can't get mad at him for that. Not just yeah, he left early with something. We'll let you know. It's yeah, like, he tweaked, tweaks. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah, he's dealing with a with a rib. He's dealing with a hamstring, which is Alante Taylor right. also left early with a hamstring injury, and that's the one I'm a little more concerned about than Throckmorton because, as I've said, I don't want Throckmorton to start anyway, so it's not really going to change that much. But hamstring injuries can be finicky, and maybe they were just playing it safe because they have a day off on Thursday and they didn't want to push him. But that's going to be something to watch because. You know, if he starts losing reps in that in that CB two battle, 
you know, I think it, I think Paulson's already a little bit ahead in terms of he just started ahead because he's got a lot of starts. He's got a lot of experience under his belt that could, you know, be a factor. So that's going to be something to watch over the next couple of days. If Alonzi misses some time, how does that affect that whole competition? Yeah, and uh, Bradley Roby was in absence the other day, but I think that was just really a Veterans Day off kind of deal. Yeah. I don't think anything's wrong with him, thankfully. Yeah, Bradley Roby, and uh, I believe there was one other Ramchick. Ryan Ramchick. Yeah, Ramchick's always got a day off. I think they just there if if veterans want days off, they're getting days off, and I think that's what is happening. And Cam Jordan doesn't want days off, so he's not getting days off. But if Cam came in and said, "I need a day," they'd give him a day. Absolutely. Right? Like I think that's kind of how things are operating. And especially with Ryan, a guy who's dealt with knee stuff in the past, the only thing that you're worried about with him is does his body hold up, right? Like, you know what to expect. You're not worried about, he doesn't need the, like, they always say, like, oh, get 1% better every day. When you're at the point in Ryan's career that Ryan is at at the point in his career, <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> you know, you're, you've gotten all the 1%s better. Now you're trying to maintain an all pro caliber right tackle performer. Same with Tehran a few years ago. So I don't have any issue with him taking days off. Take as many days off as you need. One guy who got a day off, and we can get into this a little bit, yesterday was, and that's Wednesday, was Alvin Kamara, who we know that was not injury-related because he took Gail Bench's jet. He didn't fly it like Jimmy Graham might have. He borrowed the boss's jet. Yeah, he got in the back. There was, a, there was someone else in the front, uh, and he flew out to New York to meet with Roger Goodell. You know, when you talk to Dennis Allen about it, you can, I think it becomes pretty clear that this was not his suggestion. This is not something that he has been particularly involved with. This was kind of a Alvin and Mickey talked about this. They've decided it was a good idea. He got coached up on, you know, what to say, probably what not to say, more importantly. Because I think there's, you know what? I think I was talking to Brett Martell about this. And I was like, what are the odds? Like, or is there a chance that he goes out there and makes his situation worse? And I genuinely think there is. So no. I think it is important that he says the right things or he said the right things. And Jeff Duncan reported that the meeting went, quote, very well. You know, take that for what it is. I genuinely don't think that anything Alvin says is going to sway that process because I don't think the NFL wants to set the precedent that, they're going to be, you know, I was like, oh, come with to me with your tearful apologies and we'll take your suspension away, right? Maybe at maximum, maybe it's like we were going to give you a six game and we knocked it down to a five or a four game. But I mean, that that's what happens at an appeal anyway. So I don't know. Either way, Alvin's going to be back on Friday. And I imagine now that that meeting has taken place, we're going to get a resolution here uh, sometime in the near future. Definitely hoping that resolution comes soon for obvious reasons, but I didn't think that there could be any bad coming out of, you know, Alvin meeting with a commish. Um, if anything, I'm stressing the fact too. It's like, listen, commish, Sean Payton's gone. You don't have to be a dick to us anymore. We can just worry about the Denver Broncos and all the crap over there. I'm sorry for what happened. Look at my past. This is uncharacteristic and I am apologetic. And yeah, I guess four is the lowest I think it'll be the, from the league, and I'm expecting six. Yeah, and from the Saints' perspective, there's no point in being hopeful for anything less than six. And, yeah. and, I, and I genuinely mean that. Like, you are planning for six because worst-case scenario, it's six, and you have to be ready for that. Right. If it's four and you prepared for six, Bonus. great. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt you. 
Uh, but you have to be prepared to be without him for six games. I don't really think at this point they're making any changes in terms of they're not giving, they're not like giving Alvin fewer reps because they're, well, you're not going to be here anyway. we got to get these guys ready. I don't think they're doing that. I think the preparation has already been done in that they brought in Jamal Williams, a guy who I would say is probably the, you know, go around the league and find me a better RB2 than Jamal Williams. We got to, he's got to stop with his food takes though, between the crawfish and the beignets or the beignatis, what he called them and, yeah. and comparing them to funnel cake. I was like, that's not going to be good with fans. I mean, I don't hate what he said. Like, I don't know why we're, we, we're such gatekeepers about the idea of like a fried, fried dough with powdered sugar. Um, they are slightly different, but they're not that different. And as someone who's come from out of the area and has had funnel cake, has had yeah. fried dough at fairs, has right. had beignets, my share of beignets, they are not significantly different. There's a cultural thing around them. They're very good. But when you hear about them from outside, you're, you're an outsider coming in. I was like, oh, my God, you got to get beignets. And you get there and you're like, yeah, they're great. <laughs> you know, um, so I get it. I get it. And Jamal is uh, Jamal's Jamal's more of a more of a, you know, I, I'm going to sit at my house and play Pokemon. Don't send me anywhere unless it's something I really need to do. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the fact that he's just, he's like, we got fr- funnel cakes and compared it to like in California. And I was like, ah, oh, dude, no, you don't want to say that to Saints fans. We're you know, they're, they're crazy about everything and they'll jump you on food, especially for food. Yeah, I mean, so like the crawfish thing, yeah, throw him under the bus for yeah. that. Like, like you bury him under sauce. the building. You put barbecue sauce on crawfish and you have lost me entirely. <laughs> the beignet thing, I can, yeah, whatever. Like, if we need to the off season, we'll talk about something. Yeah, that, and that was a good quote. And that kind of leads me into a segment or a, a portion of this segment that I want to start doing, uh, which is just, you know, this is the best thing I heard this week. Top quote of the week, top sound of the week. The, my favorite thing, we'll come up with a name for it. But there was one quote yesterday from Derek Carr that I really thought was funny. I don't have a take around it. I just really enjoyed this answer. And uh, here it is. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's one of the best. He's smart. Uh, he's physical. He's athletic. Uh, and uh, he's in, for a center, he's in a, he's in a good mood you know, a lot of the time. And that's usually not the case. You know, usually centers are a little grumpy. Uh, but he's in a pretty good mood for a center, uh, you know, for the most part. I didn't know that. Centers are, centers are very grumpy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Centers are typically, not all of them, but centers are usually very sore and agitated uh, individuals. Uh, but Eric's been, Eric's been good. <laughs> very sore and agitated individuals. That sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a very sore and agitated individual. I've been dealing with a back thing all week. Everyone's been getting the worst version of me and sending out snarky tweets left and right. If you follow me on Twitter, you might have noticed that I have been exceptionally snarky this week. <laughs> it's because my back hurts and I've been in a bad mood. And so I've been just throwing every shade everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, I did enjoy that because, you know, and, and I looked up all the centers that, that, that Derek Carr has played with. He's only, uh, you know, and I don't know about all the backups, but he's only played with like three different starting centers. So I'm pretty sure he's talking about Rodney Hudson. Uh, who he played with for like five years and is a very good center. But, you know, maybe he was just a grumpy guy. And I get it. Maybe his college center too. Yeah, possibly out in Fresno. I don't know. Pretty good weather out there. But (laughs) I I can get it. I mean, you're you're constantly getting someone reaching their hands down your butt. Uh, You know, you're getting bulldozed with your head down constantly. 
But uh, Eric, you know, and, and he's not wrong. Eric is a very upbeat individual. He's not someone who's who who comes off as sore and agitated. As it's just like it's a very good way to put it. I can't imagine that's the first time he's given that answer. I just thought I enjoyed that. So what my goal is to start like every week. I'm going to come up with you know my favorite soundbite, and we'll start throwing it at you because I, I wanted to come up with a way to include that in today's podcast, and that's. I have nothing to say about it other than it was it was a very good quote. Uh, with Eric McCoy, too, a guy great with the media, but he's always looking forward to like, is that the last question? Okay, great. I'm out of here. He's yeah. always looking to take off. Yeah, but he's always happy about it. Right. Like he's right. never like, he never comes off as like, are you done? <laughs> can we Can we go? Can you stop asking me these inane questions that you asked the exact same ones last year and I gave you the exact same answer? That is something that, you know, as we get back into like the normal flow of training camp, whereas last year was pretty much normal and this year is back to normal. We're not doing the zoom interviews. One thing that that I always find amusing is when I hear the exact same questions asked that I remember from a year before to the same people and we get the exact same answers. It happens. I actually caught myself uh, the other day asking the same question because it's like the same thing happened. It's the, it's just a different, the same process with different people. Anyway. Yeah. Rinse, wash, repeat, same thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But all right. That's that's the end of the news and notes and our top quote. Um, that's it. So we'll end this segment there. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Follow us on Twitter at Jeff Nowak, at Steve Geller WWL, and follow the show on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. I got to do a better job of feeding the pod during training camp. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll get better. We'll do it. We'll, we'll get it done. Yeah. And if you haven't given us a review, do that. Go on Apple Podcasts. Give us whatever star rating you feel we deserve. I only make one request, which is you don't have to give us a five-star rating. I'm not going to ask you for a five-star rating if you think we deserve it. Great. But I will say, if you give us below five stars, please tell me why you did that. Because that's all I ask is that I know what pissed you off so that I can fix it. That's the whole point. We got a one-star review and no explanation as to why. That's not helpful to me. What did I do? How can I make things better? Hey, I'm going to I'm going to go with Cat Williams and say the more haters you have the better. Uh, I think Mike Thomas would say if you ain't got no haters and you there ain't you go. There, There's another quote. There you go. Roberts I, I was on my list too. <laughs> uh but but it's if you've ever watched The Office, there's a Have you watched The Office? Sadly, no. It's one of those shows I never got into. Well, there's a... I know. People tell me you missed out. Yeah, you should watch it. There's one episode where he starts his own paper company and he has a whiteboard and he writes a quote and he says, I I think it was like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And then it had like the hyphen says Wayne Gretzky. And then the next one down was was Michael Scott. (laughs) (laughs) So he's quoting him quoting that. And so I think that's like... Mike Thomas would be like the third one down that list because I, I, it's a song lyric originally. I can't recall. I looked it up, okay. but I can't recall who it was. But that would be the first one. And then it would be Robert Sala <laughs> because he said that about Sean Payton when he was talking trash about uh, what the, the coach who is now their offensive Hackett. coordinator, yeah, Nathaniel Hackett. So it would be uh, the band or the, the, the rap group. And then Robert Sala, Michael Thomas, if you ain't got no haters and you ain't pop. Anyway, this is Inside Black and Gold. This is a Saints podcast, and we're going to talk about the Saints. So we'll be right back. We're going to get into more about Kendry Miller, Trevor Penning, 
and kind of the, the run game and how, how it's working with a Saints running back that you might remember from Deuce McAllister. So stick around for that on Inside Black and Gold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. This is the Saints podcast. And we got a look, a good look, at one of the Saints rookies yesterday. And Kendra Miller, he talked to the media. You know, I think he's he's looked exactly what I expected him to look like. And maybe a little better. He's obviously got that size. He's got that kind of weight to him. You know, he, you could see he's kind of a bruising back. But he can catch the ball. You know, he, he told us coming out that TCU didn't throw the ball to him. He didn't get the ball thrown to him at TCU. But that doesn't mean he can't catch the ball. And it's not necessarily unlike Alvin. Like Alvin Kamara didn't really catch the ball at Tennessee. And the Saints had to find that out for themselves. And then when they did, they were like, okay, we're taking him in the third round. We're making an aggressive move and we're going to get him. I think they traded up to the first pick in the third round, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we obviously know how that has gone since. And so, no, that was Alvin? the fourth, though, when they got um, Saldaveri. Talking about Alvin. Oh, when they traded up to the third round, you're saying? I believe so. Alvin, okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about this year. Well, yeah, they traded up this year to get Saldaveri. Right, right, right. But I believe when they drafted Alvin, they traded up to the top pick of the third round. Now you're making me doubt myself. Um, <laughs> sorry. Okay, let's correct that. They traded the number 229 pick in 2017 along with the 2018 second rounder, which ended up being Darius Geis, oddly enough, at number 59. And to go up to number 67 to take Alvin. So it was an early third round pick. It wasn't the first pick of the third round. But either way, that's kind of what you saw. The Saints went and put him through drills. They found that he could be a receiving back. And this was the same offseason. They brought in Adrian Peterson and by week, the end of week one, yeah. you you knew that Alvin was that guy and they did not need Adrian Peterson and Alvin was going to be there. I don't see Kendra having the same upside as a receiver, but I think he is a lot better as a receiver and you can see the hands than you would have thought just looking at his statistics at TCU. And, and that's been, to me, the biggest kind of takeaway that I have of him from the first seven camp practice and this was really needed I mean I think we've we something we've talked about before that the running back position was in need of some kind of influx of young talent coming in sure there were some uh maybe undrafted guys or someone you picked off off the street kind of thing but it wasn't you were investing this this draft capital 
in a running back. And we, yeah, we've seen the, this team have some pretty good success when they do that. So uh, the the pick of Miller definitely piqued my interest right off the bat. And when you watch the footage of him from college, obviously really impressive. Uh, we didn't get to see much early on because he was coming back from that injury. But right now, it definitely does not look like it, that injury is hampering him at all in camp. No, I don't. I don't feel like the injury is a factor right now whatsoever. That was great too. You don't see like a brace or a sleeve or anything on him. Yeah, I don't see any limitations. It's all just a question of how quickly he can pick up the scheme, and you know, obviously protections are yeah. going to be a big thing, especially because can you get him on the field in third downs? Can you get him on the field in passing situations where if they send a blitz, you got to pick it up because if you don't, your quarterback gets murdered. And you can't put him on the field if you don't trust him, right? And so that's the question. But I do think that his ability to catch the ball and his ability to kind of duplicate what Jamal Williams is able to do will be helpful early in this season when you don't want to get into a situation where, okay, you 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 can't trust him in this situation, so you're you're just projecting ex- exactly what you want, what you're going to do, and the defense can jump on it because they don't have to guess; they know, and. That's why that kind of cross-positional versatility in terms of pass catching and running is important. And I think you saw it. So that's going to be something that we look at. But I think Deuce McAllister spoke to this really well when he was on Sports Talk on Wednesday. He's talking to Bobby. I think this is before you were on. I think it's just Bobby and Mike at this point in the show. Yeah. This is kind of his breakdown of what he's seen from Kendra, what he expects, what he thinks he needs to work on the most. And uh, here you go. So looking at Kendra Miller, obviously we couldn't watch him in OTAs and minicamp. He was going to be, you know, because of the knee surgery. Uh, we're going to save him for training camp. But uh, what's your opinion? I don't know if you saw this one run he had. It wasn't today. It was, it was yesterday a, outside. But when outside he did a jump cut. He made, he made a cut. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, his knee don't look hurt to me. He looks like he never hurt his knee. You know the play I'm talking yeah. about? Yep, I know the exact play that you're talking about. And, I mean, it looked and it was like, oh, that's smooth. I mean, and that, I mean, he found the hole and it wasn't a big hole. I mean, it was backside A gap that he hit and it, it was yesterday and you could just see it was it, it was a nice fluid cut and it was it, it was a nice run. It was a nice run. And, Bobby, the only the, the, the thing that he's going to have to work on, because like you just talked about, he didn't go. He didn't get to go through the summer. He didn't get to go through any of OTAs. So now from an offensive standpoint, it's one thing for me to hear the play, but now i got to go in and actually run the play. And now I have – I'm on the clock because once the huddle is broke, I've got to go get lined up. I've got to make sure I understand and know the play. And then i got to make sure that I know my responsibility. You, you can't guess. Plays, uh, the dudes, you can't yeah, be guessing. Yeah, if, if it's two plays, if it's two plays – then now I got to think, all right, what do I do on this play? Where, you know, am I lining up right? Do I have to scoot up? And so playing football is the easy part. It's the processing part that he has to get comfortable with. I think, yeah, a good job of it. I mean, he'll still have his moment, and we saw him have to run the lap where he had to fumble or, you know, maybe he missed a block or, or, or something of that nature. But he gives you maybe a run or two or even – even the one-on-ones, you know, I thought uh, his first one-on-one that he went against the linebacker today, I think he ended up making the catch. But for the most part, two seconds, three seconds, he's making a move against air. You haven't closed any space yet. Close the space before you go and make, you know, your move because now guess what's happening. And, Bobby, you know this. If I'm taking six seconds to run a route, what are you going to do? 
I'm looking somewhere else. Thank you. I'm going somewhere else. You're taking too long to Thank get you. open. You, you, you're taking too long to get open. I mean, but so like stuff, little stuff like that, he doesn't know, he doesn't understand yet or he doesn't know that that's going to come with, with time and experience. But if you taking you know, three and a half, now he, he didn't take six, but I'm just saying, yeah. if you're taking four, four and a half, five seconds to get open, that quarterback ain't going to wait on you. That quarterback going to somewhere else because he's going to get sacked. Right. He knows that that clock is ticking. And so he's got to develop things of that nature. Just And, and that's going to come with experience. That's going to come with experience. And so it's a time that I can waste time in a route because I'm setting it up. But when I'm pressed and I got to get there, I got to get there. And, you know, maybe maybe my stance or my separation I create, and I, I create the separation. But, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Alvin went to, to New York today. We all kind of – Yeah, that's what I actually do. So, well, what do you think about well, that? We, 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 yeah, we kind of, you know, you expect the worst. And if it's not the worst, then the, 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 you prepare for whatever. So the worst would be six games. If it's right. under that, then that's what you prepare for. The Saints had already started preparing with with the Jamal signing, with the drafting of Miller, um, and you know even last year trying to draft a guy to help Alvin, not necessarily because of uh, the suspension, but they've already started to prepare. Right now, they're not doing any type of game planning. They haven't started on that yet. That will all come once it gets a little closer. But now, certain plays maybe you won't highlight. You may still carry them, but you may not highlight certain plays right. uh, in, in, in those two, three, four games, whatever it is, that he may not be available. I think Deuce makes a really good point there. And I, one thing that, I don't know if annoys is the word, but one thing that I see a lot on social media and just people reacting to stuff in general is they focus on the highlights and they focus on, ooh, that was pretty and that was good and that was great. But it's it's not the the, the ceiling that is going to determine whether the team trusts you in situations. It's the floor. It's how bad does this go when it doesn't work? And, you know, like that, his example in the one-on-ones, it's like, yeah, you can get open, but if it takes you too long and you are not, no longer a safety valve and you're not in there to block, then that's a problem. And you're running a little angle right out of the backfield. The quarterback has to sit and wait for you to cross the face of the linebacker before he can throw that ball. Otherwise, it's getting picked off. Right. And if you're dancing around, if you're not getting there on time and the quarterback has an end breathing down his throat because you're not there to pick him up. Well, that's an incomplete pass or, or a sack or worse, a fumble or something right. bad. Right. And so that's something that you need to understand as a, as a running back. And it takes time. Right. And that's the type of thing that I think most fans aren't aware of because you're not seeing every rep. You're not seeing how he's doing in meetings. It's impossible to know exactly how fast he's processing things unless you're looking at film and you're like, well, you're supposed to do the, unless you were looking at film and you knew exactly what he was supposed to do and you can identify whether he did it or not. Right. Like I could sit here and say, yeah, he looks athletic. He looks smooth and he does, but there are elements to being a running back that take time. And so that's what you're trying to figure out is then we, if you are without Alvin in week one is Kendra, someone you can trust in those key situations. And, you know, I think I trust Deuce's opinion as much as anybody's. And I, think that anyone should um in that regard and so i think he if you're if dudes is talking about running backs i'm listening oh for sure that's uh, tip-top analysis i love hearing uh Deuce's breakdown in football in general we're, we're very blessed to get to work with a guy like that uh but with miller coming on board obviously yeah there's going to be some nuances that we know he can run the ball and 
has the vision, you know, the field vision and all, but the the receiving part of the game is a question. Being able to, you know, pass, protect, uh, and block is going to be something that's going to be huge. But I think that he's got the capabilities clearly, and the team being able to sign a guy like Jamal Williams, obviously so critical to have that vet who's been there, done that in case of emergency with Alvin, which I think everybody's kind of on the same page. We're bracing for something uh, when it comes, uh, hopefully soon. We'll deal with it then kind of thing. But the, the Saints are definitely prepared and appreciate the fact that you have that veteran experience and a Jamal Williams. You got a young guy coming in that's clearly hungry. We heard him draft night on WWL talking about how he was you know, coming for that number one spot. And even Deuce then tell him to slow down, young buck kind of thing. But you got to love that passion, love that drive. And uh, just more excited to see uh, more of Miller and Pads because it's only been three days for that. And yeah, I feel like when the physicality's picked up, he's his game has accelerated even more with the Saints. I think he said young grasshopper. Okay. But I remember that interview because Kendry's phone got cut off. And so Deuce never got a chance to actually talk him down a little bit. Like, okay, let's bump the brakes. Let's do let's do this the right way. But no, I and uh, I think it's a good point. I think it's just gonna determine how much of a load you end up having to put on Jamal Williams, who I think can can carry it. Right. But if you end up having to just overload Jamal over the first month and a half of the season, how does that affect him later in the year when you might need him down the stretch? Uh, that's that's something that we're going to have to find out. Um, one of the other things that Deuce said, and I, I, he, I didn't get the context of it, but he said the Saints drafted someone to help Alvin last year, and I think he's referring to Trevor Penning, a guy who you know came into the league as a mauler in the run game, and we've seen it. You know, It's a part of his game that I don't think you have to worry about. And yeah, I, I agree. I think that that's that that kind of partnership and your uh, how he how he works in the run game is going to be a big part of it. Um, you don't usually use your left tackle as kind of your run your run tackle. That's usually your right tackle. Your left tackle is usually the the pass pro tackle. That's why it's a little weird. But I did I did get a chance to ask Derek Carr about working with Trevor Penning because I I mean this is a veteran quarterback coming into a new system trying to prove that, you know, his kind of career of not making the playoffs and not making any deep postseason runs is more of a mirage than than reality. And so I think that that marriage of quarterback left tackle, you got to trust him. And so, uh, you know, I think Trevor has come along. You know, I think he's still kind of getting up to speed. He's getting in shape after not being able to work out throughout the offseason and OTAs and minicamp. But that whole partnership is going to be fascinating. So I got to ask Derek Carr about, that yesterday that's wednesday and this is what he said a very violent individual you know uh he he wants to be physical he wants to assert his dominance um you know in the run game and the pass game all those kind of things and cool thing too is i cam came up to him was talking to him about something after our set and you hear him like oh yeah yeah, i got you yeah that makes sense that you know so he's uh as aggressive as he is he's also willing to learn and grow as a player and uh so I'm excited about it. You know, uh, Big Ryan, you know, Ryan Clanton was his O-line coach in, uh, in college, and he's one of my best friends, you know. And so I've gotten to know a little bit about him uh, and what makes him tick. And he's a different cat, but uh, that's what you don't want. You don't want everyone to be normal up front in, in the front uh, when they're protecting you. He had some good sound bites yesterday, Derek did, um, on the, especially on the offensive line. And uh, I, I, think he's, I think he's 100% correct. You need – you want some crazy people. There's a reason that, that, like, you see a lot of stories about crazy offensive linemen. 
because you you, you got to be kind of crazy to to put yourself in that position. You know, you got to be mean. And uh, I think he's, he's got, got that, that. streak, right? Yes, he's got that. Uh, and I think Derek's identified that. And, and yeah, he's physical. You got to turn that physicality into dependability and consistency. And that's where I think you, you, he's, lo- he's lost me a little bit thus far is you'll see some really good reps and then you'll see some reps where he kind of just gets lost in his footwork and gets beat to the outside, gets beat on a double move. And, you know, you're not going to win every rep as an offensive lineman, but you can't lose clean. You can't have the lookout blocks, which is you miss completely and you'll look out while your quarterback is about to get plastered to the, to the turf. Those are, those are the blocks you can't have as a left tackle. It's why it's such an important position when you have a right-handed quarterback because he can't see you. And you can get, you know, we've all seen that Joe Theismann clip where he gets torn in half. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's something that, you know, we're going to watch and learn. You know, I'll have a take in the next segment. Maybe I'll just get to it here. I think James Hurst is the starting left guard, regardless of what happens with Andres Pete. Because when it comes to Trevor Penning, I want to see him play next to someone that he has worked with. And the fact of the matter is, Andres Pete, if he's not available, you can't get those reps. And maybe he'll be able to come back next week. Maybe this is a short-term thing and you'll be able to get him back. But, I mean, you have a lot of pressure riding on Trevor Penning. And I want him out there with someone he's comfortable with and familiar with. And right now that's James Hurst. So I don't know what the, this is Trevor Penning. I'm sorry. Andres Pete's in a contract year. I don't know when he's going to come back. I don't know how significant his quad injury is, but even when he does, I think there's a point where you start talking about, okay, Andres Pete is the depth guard and James Hurst is the starter. Uh, Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all because you know, Hurst has been, extremely reliable with this team. Obviously, when getting called upon to start a left tackle, did a a pretty uh, admirable job there. I'm worried with with me with Penning. uh, You mentioned footwork, and I'm just worried about foot health in general. Uh, Was it turf toe and plantar fascia that he had last year? He had turf toe. That was the first injury, which was the required surgery. And it's a nasty injury. We've talked about it. It needs a a grosser name. Right. Because it's a it's a nasty injury. Like you're talking about a torn ligament in your big toe, which you know you, you know how your feet work. Everyone has feet. Just think about if you tear a ligament in your toe, how much that's got to hurt, and how and how little power you're going to have in that foot, which is very important. Power, all that, yeah. Uh, and then obviously getting back in the game shape when you can't put weight on your foot, that's kind of difficult too. So that that was the first one. The second one was a list Frank injury or his list Frank tendon, which is, you know, it's just, it's, I think it's kind of in your arch. It's just another thing where it's like, you can't play like that. You know, it's pain, very painful and it takes a long time to recover from. And that's what he's working back from. There were different feet, right? So I don't, I don't know if there is a common denominator there of maybe just, you know, these were injuries that that were ready to happen and did. There was the minor setback and I won't say setback. He, he banged it up, I guess, in a practice. He missed the next day, but he was then, then he was back. Like Dennis Allen said, it wasn't anything too serious. But again, with the foot popping up, I'm just a little bit concerned about over just it. The fact that if it was if it was a knee, if he had banged his elbow on a helmet and needed a day off to ice it, you would have been like, okay, fine. The yeah, fact whatever. that it was a foot thing made him be like, oh no, he's got defective feet. And, and um, obviously, huge, massive man, a lot of weight to carry. So yeah, it's yeah. something that. I, I don't hope is a constant thing for him, obviously. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's a concern. It's a real concern. And when you're a big guy like that, 
I mean, look at how injuries, foot injuries, ankle injuries have affected Mike Thomas. Like, and then add 200 pounds to that equation. I guess not 200, maybe 110, give or take, to that equation, and and you and you're there. But I I think Trevor, you know, has he's putting in the work, and I'm interested to see how he has developed in these preseason games. Hopefully, he can get through them. Hopefully, he can be healthy. And that's the thing too. So if you do start James Hurst at, at left guard. He's probably your backup at left tackle too. So I don't know how you kind of sort that out because you do want to get him reps there in case he needs to play there. Um, but yeah, that's the left side of the offensive line is going to be kind of fascinating to watch, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, the like you mentioned earlier too, the that last practice we got to witness it was defensive one day, and just wasn't pretty like when you're just looking at the offensive line, it didn't help your concerns going into the season of what things could be going forward. And yeah, sorry to keep picking on Calvin Throckmorton, but he's not a guy you want to see as your starting part of your starting unit. No, he is a backup to a backup. He's got experience. What it is. Right. So you can, you can live with it if you have to play him in a pinch, but he is very much a backup to a backup and you need someone that you can't, that that can't be the first guy off the bench. I'm sorry, but yeah. So we'll get into that. We'll have a lot of time again. We've only had a few padded practices. I'm not overreacting to anything we've seen from Trevor from James. I think I'm also not overreacting to the idea that I cannot trust Andrews Pete's health. And if the Saints are trusting that in any major way, <laughs> they're setting themselves up for a frustrating season. No, you, um, me, every other reporter, the Saints fans. I'm sure the 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 team's got to know it too. Yeah, they know it's frustration. They know uh, who he is. It, it definitely is frustrating because obviously another mammoth of a man that when he's healthy, a uh, uh, huge for the team. I'll say in the run game at least, uh, pass protection. He could be a little bit, a bit of a liability, but I feel like as that run mauler, which we're hoping Trevor can be too. A- Andrus was that dude uh, when when healthy, which is. You know, when does that happen? That was his strong suit as a pulling guard. He's an athletic <laughs> for a big guy. You know, he can move around. Uh, and there's something to be said for that. And if he's the depth, I feel great about it. I just don't think that you can trust him for a full allotment of snaps. And maybe that's kind of the answer for him is you, you, you limit some of those snaps and you take some of that, the, the wear and tear off of him. And when you do need him, he's fresh, he's healthy, and he can be a force. And you have a what I would consider to be an elite backup option, you know, and, and he might be a better guard than James Hurst, right? Like I think if you're talking about it from a talent perspective, he he's probably the better option. Um, but you know, if like you're to go, if you're going based on like, Oh, who has the higher grade in Madden? I think you'd go with Andres Pete, but if he's not healthy, then that doesn't work for you. So yeah. Anyway, that's, that's and there's, there's something that said about too, about having that continuity, with your starting guys. They, yeah. 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 It, it's, it's obviously it's yeah it's key for the communication and just overall development of that line and man uh, yeah the left side's definitely a little concerning for me and James Hurst in terms of just being a leader in that group is very you know it's he there's a reason that even when he's not starting he is the spokesperson for the offensive line room like he is a leader in that room even as a backup uh so yeah it's I mean go watch James Hurst's the press conference the other day like yeah, right yeah i was gonna say that we not to throw any other player under the bus but the player that the saints gave us as a one-on-one and then after hearing james hurst talk i was like man i wish we had talked to james hurst that day instead 
Well, it used to be Tehran, right? Like the you, Tehran used right. to be that vocal leader, and then you lost Tehran. And I don't know if anyone really stepped up into it, and other than James and Eric is obviously a vocal guy. He talks, but like Ryan Ramchek was never going to be that vocal leader. He's a he's a talk with your play kind of guy. He's very understated. He's very good. No, it was but, amazing. Demario came up. Demario Davis was like, I can't believe you guys got that much out of Ryan. He talked for six minutes, <laughs> and now and and Demario was like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's just Ryan. I mean, if you haven't figured out Ryan by now, that's on you. But Local all right, dude, checking in, blue collar, doing his work, going home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do the work. I'm gonna be here. I'm a rock. I'm a, I'm a wall. Anyway, let's wrap that segment up. We're gonna come back. We're gonna go through some of our top takes that have developed that we believe that we will soon change after the first week of the 2023 Saints training camp. Whew, let's do it. This is inside black and gold. Stick around. And we're back. One more segment here on Inside Black and Gold. And I I wanted to dive into some hot takes Get at him. I put a post on WWL.com. Five things I think I think after the first week of Saints camp. And the first take is that it's it's hot. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's very hot. It's hot to the point that I think we're dying. I think like four fans had to be treated for heat exhaustion symptoms after a practice last week. And, you know, uh, it's the, the Saints made the right call in adjusting yeah. Because it's a safety issue, right? Like, and I, I understand Saints fans want to be out there. They're dedicated and they will be out there. But I think that's a smart move for uh, for everybody. Yeah, now uh, any guy, you folks have tickets out there. 9.15, the gates are going to open. And from 10 to 11 o'clock is going to be the outside viewing portion. Uh, that's just, I mean... You, you know, when you're out there for that extended period, it just it drains so much out of you. We're not even in full pads, you know, and doing any real activity. I can only imagine what it's like for these players. And I'm really, I guess, surprised there hasn't been more guys that have had any any um, kind of heat fatigue or needing kind of help. But the team really uh, has, over the past couple of days, realized it with these ridiculous temperatures you you can't get work done outside it's it's better to bring it inside and have that energy and let them take it out there yeah and i mean i feel bad for anyone who's driving like two hours to get to practice only for like right. you know, an hour but i think you get i mean i think you get kind of get the picture in an hour i don't know if you're you're losing that much in terms of what you get to see and it's got to be miserable I, i've never sat there as a fan to watch that practice but i can't imagine I mean, after a while, it's got to be like, oh, man, I'm dying. They, they uh, do have those misters and the fans going, do. so that's a huge help. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's I can't imagine that it's you're completely feel like you're in the ice tank that the Saints have over there. They can only do so much, especially if people are out there drinking. There's just no way. Um, but, yeah, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. Give us a rating. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you think. Um, but so let's get into some takes you know, we, we got into a couple of them that I have on this list here. Uh, obviously, the offensive line, I think James Hurst is going to start at left tackle. The heat, you know, I don't even know if that's a take so much as just that's reality. 
The big <laughs> one for me and the one I got into kind of some arguments with people on Twitter yesterday is what I am terming as the Traquan Smith conundrum, which is every year, at least the last couple of years, I have gone into training camp thinking, you know what? This might be the year that I quit on Traquan Smith. This might be the time. Maybe this is the year that these depth wide receivers are going to show up and just make it impossible to say Traquan does too much to, to keep him around. And I just can't, I can't do it because every year I come in here and Traquan impresses me and I get it. People get frustrated because he's not an, a, a pro bowl wide receiver, but he's also had a decent share of like big games. Like I feel like that's, I keep having people say Traquan Smith has never done anything. Well, there are only two wide receivers on the Saints that have a 10-catch game in their career. Actually, that's not true. Jimmy Graham must have a 10-catch game in his career, so I'll probably say three. But Traquan Smith is one of them. The other one's Michael Thomas, who's had about 30 of them. Uh, But like Traquan has had multiple 100-yard receiving games. He's had had multiple two-touchdown games. He's had a two-touchdown playoff game. He had a 100-yard game last season in week three right so like he's done he has some as bobby Airbear would put it skins on the wall right like so you've seen him as a receiver and when you hear the head coach say this guy's underrated as a wide receiver i think that's pretty telling and you know when i'm trying to do my roster projection i'm not telling you who necessarily i think should make the roster i'm telling you who i think the saints are going to keep i am predicting i am not analyzing per se. So you could disagree with it, but I'm telling you, <laughs> Traquan Smith's making this roster, whether you like it or not, because you look at the other options at wide receiver four, five, you can look at all these guys and say, okay, who's, who's making it. And every time I look at it, like Traquan is performing well in practice and you know what he does. Like you, like we all make a joke. Oh, he's a great blocker. And, and like, that shouldn't be the reason you make the team. But at the same time, yes, it should be because that's what you need out of these depth guys. And every year you look at it and Traquan is that guy. And he also knows the offense as well as anybody. He knows it better than his own quarterback now. I, I just don't see a way he misses this roster without getting hurt, which that's always a thing. Like Traquan, to me, that's the biggest gripe with Traquan is he's never healthy. There's been times, obviously, even healthy when he has disappeared in this offense. But right now, I agree totally he's making this team because you look at it, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, boom. After that, who? It is Traquan. Traquan is your number four. Right. And, and it's like, who are you signing off the street? Nobody. Who who are these young players has really stood out? Nobody. I mean, A.T. Perry, to me, to this point, has not looked like an NFL wide receiver. He's Definitely young. Been a lot of struggles he's, there. He's got time, but you're trying to find excuses to keep him on the roster because he's a draft pick and you don't want to quit in a draft pick, but nothing I have seen from him has been even like, okay, he with some refinement, you can get there. I mean, he was just slipping on routes yesterday. I mean, there was three, three times that there were targets that missed because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Like he just did not run the route to the location. And it's, I, I, I mean, I'm not quitting on him. I think he's a practice squad guy. Like I think you right. stash him on the practice squad because but that's where like he is. Because- even like like you said though, because of those struggles, even the practice squad, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know anymore if he's kind of worth it. But yeah, it's like I'm not re- right now. It's way too early to give up, kind of deal. I mean, I think he goes to the practice squad because you feel comfortable that no one's going to claim him. 
right? And I'm okay with it. And I don't mind keeping him around. I guess he he can give him some time to develop and he can get better. But I'm not, you only have 53 roster spots, right? You need contributions out of those players. And yes, you can have some guys and say, well, they'll be inactive. But you get guys hurt throughout the season and all of a sudden you need those guys. And would you trust A.T. Perry in a game in real situations right now? Absolutely not. And so, you know, he has time. He has three preseason games where he can kind of maybe get up to speed and look better. But right now, when I'm looking at this equation, you're saying, well, is it going to be Shaq Davis? What's it going to be? Who's going to be that fourth wide receiver? It's going to be Washington, Brian Edwards. It's like nobody's standing out. (laughs) Okay, Brian Edwards. We can get into this real quick. Brian Edwards, and I and I don't I don't want to hate on Brian. He doesn't know his coach's name. What is that? He just, and this was a public press conference. This wasn't a conversation over on the yeah, wall. Everyone was stunned that, for sure. You can go on the Saints YouTube page and watch that interview with Brian Edwards, and he will be asked about Cody Burns. What do you think about Cody Burns? He does not know who that is. He's a good he player. He thought he was a player, and like, yeah, that's maybe okay, fine. Maybe he was just confused. Maybe he was just, but I mean, he has been here. Through OTAs, through minicamp, a whole week of practice. Who does he think he's working with? <laughs> That's just not a good sign to me. And he's dropped everything. I mean, he just has not looked good. And like, I wanted to be a Brian Edwards fan. Like, I wanted to find reasons to like him on this roster. I, I don't see it. Right? The the guy, the one guy I've seen go out there and look better than I expected as a wide receiver is Lynn Bowden Jr. And that's not. I mean, I, I take. I'm not saying the top three. The top three are. Etched in stone. Right, yeah. I know um, but in terms of everyone beyond that, the two wide receivers that I have seen that looked like NFL-ready players, Traquan Smith, Lynn Bowden Jr. You could bring in guys, veterans, fine. Those are the only two that I look at and be like, okay, I think those guys can make it. And then James Washington, sure, he could, he could make it too. Maybe you swap out. You know, maybe Lynn is the wide receiver six. If you keep six and you use him as a special team or a backup returner or whatever, and James Washington is there as well. I don't see a way that you that you put those guys ahead of Traquan. And I had some people like, well, why don't you just give the young guys a chance? I'm like, yeah, I'll give young guys a chance, but they have to earn that chance. No, with, with Traquan, it's like if you say what you want about him, but right now the depth at wide receiver – behind the other guys in the it's mix behind great. the top behind the top three there's nobody beating them out and it, and it's not great you know i i think there's a chance this season goes awry if you end up with a slew of injuries at wide receiver and you end up with traquan and and whoever the wide receiver five is on the field a lot because i don't think you run that keith deep kirkwood. you know keith kirkwood i forgot about keith you know that's I, your homeboy Yes, I knew I was forgetting one. And you know, you know, Keith actually has looked solid. Keith is a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if he gets kept around. And I, it's gonna annoy the heck out of people when the Saints keep Traquan Smith can keep Kirkwood. Right. <laughs> but they trust those guys, right? Like there's a reason they keep bringing them back. And you're not just gonna keep a rookie around just because he's a rookie. You're not. You know, you know? I, I we kind of go back and forth about maybe like a player right now who we haven't taken many notes on uh, is, you know, rookie Isaiah Foskey mm-hmm. still waiting. There's plenty of time though for him to, to really show up kind of deal. But uh, on the wide receiver core, I, I don't know if I've written down Kawan Baker's name at all. 
another guy I forgot about. No, I don't. I don't see anything from him. Uh, and uh, I mean, he, he was a guy that was suspended uh, due to performance enhancing substances, and really just hasn't come back and shown anything this season. No, no, that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. I, again, it's just you. Everything yo yo. You keep coming back to Traquan. Uh, and it annoys the heck out of people. I know Jerry Poor is gonna is gonna yell at me because he hates Traquan. And and I also don't understand the hate for Traquan. Like, I think maybe the expectations for him were too high because he got drafted in the third round. And, right. Uh, and the injuries. Yeah. I mean, um, all he's done is 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 just be a guy. And if he was the wide receiver three or two, I would be like, man, they got to do better than that. Wide receiver four, five. I mean, go around the NFL and look at some depth charts and compare their fourth best wide receiver with Traquan Smith and see how you feel about it. Because I think that you will come out favorably on the side of Trey. I will say the the depth that's been built up at tight end has me feeling a lot better at as Traquan as a four receiver. I mean, that's not so bad when you look at all the the names now on this tight end group. Hopefully, Jimmy Graham's able to stick around you know, a- along with what Juwan Johnson, uh, Foster Murrow, and I- I'm still not putting Taysom Hill in that tight end group. So I'll just say Jimmy, yeah. Foster, and Juwan. I-, I like that three uh, at-, at tight end. Maybe not the best blockers in the world. I think Foster is serviceable. But, yeah, you got to worry about uh, uh, Jimmy and Juwan in that category. Yeah, and, and I think I think one way that you're going to make life a lot easier on this offense, especially early in the season, assuming you don't have Alvin, is my my last take, which kind of feeds off yours, is this should be a run-first football team. And you have all the pieces to make it a run-first football team. And I think there's a scenario where the Saints end up, in, and we talked about this on Sports Talk, and I revised this take a little bit, in that I think this Saints team could potentially be one of the top rushing football teams in the NFL. And my initial take was that they would be the top rushing team in the NFL. But I do think that's going to be almost impossible when you compare them to a team with a Justin Fields or a Lamar Jackson, the top two rushing teams in the NFL, for good reason, they have rushing quarterbacks. So you add a thousand yards to whatever your rushing total is with your running backs, and it's going to be pretty hard to match for a team that doesn't have a running quarterback. So I would revise that to say they will be the, I think they have a chance to be the top rushing team among the teams that is not getting an infusion of an extra thousand yards from the quarterback position. Not, and that obviously they have Taysom Hill, but he, I still consider him more of a running back. But when you look at a team with a left tackle with pass protection questions, you look at a team with a new quarterback, you look at a team that has Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller, Taysom Hill, and then Alvin Kamara shot out of a cannon whenever he does return. I think that you can do some work with that. And, and I know people will say, oh, it's a pass first league, and it is. I get that. But I also think everything is cyclical in the NFL to an extent. And what's happened in the last eight to 10 years in the NFL is teams have adapted to the pass first nature of the NFL and they have taken their big linebackers off the field. We talk about your strong side linebacker basically doesn't exist anymore. Barely ever on the field unless you're talking about heavy personnel where it's a clear rundown and you're just trying to stop them. And what that's been replaced with is an extra defensive back and it's a nickel and everyone plays everything out of the nickel or the dime. And then you look at the linebackers and even your big linebackers are small guys now. Like look at Pete Werner and tell me that's a linebacker in the NFL. Go back a decade and you're talking about 
standing him next to his safety and saying, what position do these guys play? And you're like, I don't know. Uh, because that's like linebackers are smaller. And so I think that's going to, you're at a point now where a true power run team has an advantage because defenses aren't built to hold up against these big power run teams with strong backs who are going to try to plow it down your throat. And I think this is a year the Saints can and should take advantage of that and make that a, a huge part of their offense and make this a run-first football team, which is going to force defenses to adjust. And I know this is a long ramp, but stick with me. It's going to force defenses to adjust and bring more guys downhill, maybe put that extra linebacker on the field. And then the second you get that look, it opens up over the top. And you can hit Rashid Shaheed, Chris Olave on these deep balls, and you can get more single coverage of Mike Thomas. And I think... If you try to turn this team into a pass-first team, knowing what we know and knowing the offensive line questions and knowing what you have at running back, it's going to be a mistake and you're going to struggle and you're going to put yourself in situations where you're constantly trying to play uphill. And so I think for this team to be successful and to make the playoffs and have a 10-plus win season, 11, 12 wins maybe, you will dedicate yourself to the run game. And that's my take is what this team should do. And we saw it on Wednesday. They got heavy into the run game on Wednesday. And I think that they're going to do that a lot more as camp progresses if they are smart. And I hope they are. Yeah, and it's definitely, I think, exciting for what the running back room has. You got that three-headed monster. Obviously, the we'll see what happens with Alvin. But when whenever they are in full force, that's going to be quite a group there. You put in... Taysom Hill, I put him more in the running back room than I put him in the tight end group, uh, considering, you know, what what he does. Uh, but it was good to see, it has been good to see, I'll say, him being a little more active in the receiving aspect of training camp. And I know that's something they brought up before uh, camp got underway that Taysom was focusing on. For me, my biggest takeaway so far, I think, Jeff, is the fact that I had written off Peyton Turner, basically. I was like, you know what? You're a first-round pick that's a healthy scratch. I, I really have no uh, faith that you, you'll be able to turn things around. And the fact that I'm seeing I'm seeing more of that glimpse that I wanted to this training camp, uh, so far so good with his uh, pass rushing and run stuffing uh, that's been going on. Can't wait to see it translate into a game. Hopefully uh, come preseason action number one next week against the Chiefs. Uh, we get some heavy, heavy Peyton Turner action, and I uh, just want to see him taking out some of his frustrations on another, another squad. I know it's it's a lot different, but right now the baby steps in progress. I'll say this training camp have definitely been a positive for him. I think you're you're spot on. I am a lot less concerned <laughs> about the defensive line, at least on the ends, than I was a couple weeks ago. Um, and you know, I could be a mirage. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see until we get into games and we see that hold up. But Peyton Turner hasn't missed a practice. He's been healthy. Um, he's been in the backfield constantly. He's been he's been he's he's been a constant presence. Like I've been writing his name down exactly. constantly. And yeah, that's that's a that's a positive thing for the Saints team. And that's another thing. Like you go back to the running the run game thing, and I think part of that is you trust your defense, right? Like if you control the time of possession and you keep your defense rested and you allow them to kind of tee off. That's what I want. I want this team to win in complementary ways. Because yes. last year they didn't. Last year just nothing worked right. It was just off key. And every time something felt like it was working, something would break on the other end. And, and it was very frustrating. And I think 
that you go through all the tape last season, you do all the self-scouting and you look at the things you did wrong and you see so many correctable issues. And then you, you, and you, that's why you feel confident if you're this team and you're going in and you're saying, no, we're going to fix that stuff. We're going to force turnovers. We're going to create pressure. We're going to play better contain on these mobile quarterbacks. We're going to control the time of possession. We're not going to fumble in these crazy situations. Um, and we're going to win football games and we're going to look good doing it. And so, yeah, I, I, I mean, this is the time of year where everyone's optimistic. I'm going to, I'm sure we're going to, we're going to do a around the NFC South segment tomorrow on sports talk. And I'm sure we're going to hear from all these beat writers saying that the NFC South is theirs to win. And this is why it's going to happen. No one's going to say, man, we suck and we shouldn't even be a part of this conversation. Wait, have maybe. you seen Baker throwing the ball? We're done. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the glowing Baker reviews. I guarantee it. We're going to get them. And it's like weird. Uh, I could have sworn he was terrible. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll we'll have Bobby with us too, so he'll be there to smack that down real quick. Yeah, right. I'm too nice to those people. Uh, Me too. Bobby. I was like, oh, I wasn't going to tear into any of the beat reporters saying, you know, oh, you know, Carolina thinks they can win the division, kind of thing. And I'm like, all right, thanks for your time, kind of thing. <laughs> Instead of you know berating them and making them look like fools. Well, Bobby yesterday, for example, Bobby yesterday, he has no qualms about about saying anything to anybody at any point because we were talking about like off the side was like man Derek he had a rough day today you know he kind of he kind of struggled Derek you know that too right well right and then and then Bobby's like maybe I'll ask him about that and I was like what you're gonna <laughs> just tell him he was terrible and and he goes up to to Derek the first question of the press conference and he was like Derek you, you had a bad day right yeah it was bad it was like the worst one you had uh, what what I mean what happened and Derek you could tell he was caught off guard because <laughs> he was like what is, which, uh, but he did give a good answer, which is like, you know, the offense shouldn't win every day. The ebb and flow, right? The defense should get you every now and then because you need your defense to win in situations, right? I'm sure Derek had a lot of great days against the Raiders defense. That doesn't mean the offense was particularly special. It just means the defense you're going after isn't good enough to stop you. And so uh, anyway, yeah, Bobby... Bobby has no qualms about about I, I would have never asked that question, which I think says a lot about me as a reporter. But maybe, yeah. maybe we'll just call it lighting up the NFC South tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll call. I'll, I'll say I have a filter left, and Bobby's has some holes in it. Well, that's the that's the best. A Bear's always unfiltered. He just says what he thinks. <laughs> if there's a filter, it's just been cut out. And it's just now a frame where the filter used to be and everything just flows directly through it. <laughs> but hey, you get some really, uh, really interesting sound bites that way. So I'm not complaining about it. <laughs> no, he's definitely a soundbite machine. Gold. I call gold. A bears gold for that. Yes. Yes. But all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Thanks for everyone for taking this ride. We've come a long way. We back out of practice on Friday. Fans are back for an hour and then they leave again. Not padded. So we're going to take a day off from pads. And we're going to get back in the pads next week. We are barely a week away from the first preseason game, which is stunning to me. I don't even know what to think about it. But we'll have plenty of podcasts between now and then. Uh, so, Steve, are you are you excited for your first pregame show as the sports director? I'm excited for this season in general. Yeah, I, we were going through. We had a, a, a spe- special you know, meeting in the with the big boss and some of the uh, other players that work in, with Saints Radio talking about, you know, getting liners ready and everything. And just hearing some of the intros, even from last season, you know, and you, you start hearing who that, you know, the, the, the songs kicking in and everything. And I'm like, 
I, I know it's so ridiculous and I get excited for the season. I'm like, yes, game day is coming. Uh, even I'll even be going. excited for a couple minutes at least for that Kansas City Chiefs matchup. But, you know, from our vantage point, it's a lot different than I think other folks because we're covering the team so closely in training camp. We've been talking about who's going to make this roster. And now we get like this really live situation of guys trying to translate it to the field who are trying to make the team. We know we know basically the the main players who, who are going to be on the squad, but there's still plenty of spots that need to be filled out. Yeah, there's like 20 guys competing for like two roster spots. Yeah. And so, you know, a guy makes an interception in that in that sequence and you're just like, God, that's a massive moment. Troy Pride makes a big play and it's like, okay. Anthony Johnson, who we didn't talk about, but I think, you know, we didn't really get into dark horses like we like we promised. But I, I will say that I was, <laughs> you know, if, I, I got mad yesterday because I was getting ready to write about Anthony Johnson in my notes. And I talked about Anthony Johnson in uh, in the our the UDFA show that I did prior to training camp. And he was my, I did a UDFA to watch and he was the first guy on my list. Uh, 90 seconds into the segment, I was like, Anthony Johnson, you should keep an eye on him. And uh, I was like, just about getting ready to like, like, <laughs> say, oh man, Anthony Johnson looks great. And then I see a tweet pop up from Nick. My sleeper pick is Anthony <laughs> Johnson. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you, I guess if uh, I, if I, think I he's have right, to pick, I think it's a good sleeper pick. If I have to pick right now, I'm going to, I got a little bit easier since I know about the injury, obviously, with Andrew Dowell just happening. And I'm going to kind of lean towards Ryan Connolly, the guy out of Wisconsin. He's been around the league, I think, since 2018, 2019. Uh, but has flashed at times during camp, and I just think could be someone for special teams and who knows, maybe that rotational piece on linebacker. I was going to say Chase Hansen because they'll probably actually have to wake him up. He's <laughs> he's on just, an injured list somewhere. He's just waiting for the call. <laughs> um, literal sleeper pick. But no, I, I, I think that's a good, you know, linebacker is a good place to look for a sleeper. Yeah. And I'd probably go with Nephi Sewell if I was trying to pick one. Because, you know, he's a special teams guy. He can do a lot of the same things as Andrew. But, yeah, no, that's that's a good – I think Ryan Connolly's interesting. And he's made a few plays. We've seen him flashing around. Someone's got to do it. Preseason, that's where these guys got that – the real big audition comes. Preseason, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this episode up. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. This is Inside Black and Gold. Who at? Go Saints. Keep it real. Peace Hydrate out. Hydrate and who that indeed. <laughs>